Welcome to the Reversing Diabetes Podcast with Delane ND, the podcast for people looking to correct chronic illnesses such as diabetes through lifestyle change. I'm Dr. Delane Vaughn. As a physician, I see many patients who are ill because of lifestyle decisions such as food choices. Typically, diseases such as diabetes are managed with pills or injections. This approach creates a vicious, expensive, and unhealthy cycle of medication and then more medication to address the negative side effects. As a physician and a life coach, I work with clients to resolve their diseases, get off their medications, and live a naturally healthy life. If you don't like the healthcare system in America, I recommend you use less of it by being naturally healthy. So if you feel there has to be a better, more natural way to live a healthy life, you are in the right place. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. This is the Reversing Diabetes with Delene MD podcast. This is episode number 152. Today we are going to talk about intermittent fasting as a tool to reverse your type 2 diabetes. I've done a number of episodes on this. Um, You can go as far back as episode number 16 where I describe intermittent fasting probably very similarly to how I'm going to describe it here, except here I will probably focus more on how it resolves your insulin resistance. I've um, covered it in episode number 23 where I talked about the three tools that I use uh, to reverse type 2 diabetes in my clients. And then I've talked about it in episode number 38 where I talk about the benefits of fasting that go beyond insulin resistance. And then probably briefly I talked about it in 106, um, but really I was talking more about a fasting blood sugar and what that means. Um, All of this comes together because the whole goal for reversing your type 2 diabetes is really to normalize your insulin, to get your insulin resistance reversed so that your cells function appropriately in the presence of insulin. And intermittent fasting is a very powerful tool to do this. So today I kind of want to review this again. I always think it's a great idea. The more I teach people these skills, the more I refine the message that I deliver in those teachings. And so I think it's always helpful to kind of circle back around to this information, um, even though it's probably been, it's been presented before. Again, this is one of the main tools that I utilize to help women reverse their type 2 diabetes. So remember, the science of diabetes is that your cells are resistant to insulin, to the function of insulin, meaning in the presence of insulin, cells are not doing what they should be doing. In the presence of insulin, a cell should open up and allow glucose in that the cells then use as fuel for the machinery of the cell. That's what should be happening in a non-insulin resistant state or what we call an insulin sensitive state. When you are not insulin resistant and your cells are not insulin resistant, what should be happening? We eat food, our body digests it and breaks it down into its primary building blocks. When those are carbohydrates, that means you're broken down into glucose. When there are proteins, it's broken down into amino acids and then our liver turns that into glucose. And then In the presence of the glucose in our bloodstream, our pancreas recognizes that glucose and says, oh, there's energy in the system. We better open up the cells so the cells can pull that energy inside and burn it off and doing the things that our cells need to do. So our pancreas makes insulin. The insulin goes into our bloodstream. It binds to the cells that utilize insulin. 
to open up and bring fuel inside, and that's what happens. The insulin binds to the cells, the cells open up, and they bring glucose inside, and that glucose is burned as fuel for the cell to do the work that that cell has to do. So recognize a liver cell and a kidney cell and a heart cell and a muscle cell and a brain cell are all doing different things, but they use glucose to burn as fuel so they can do the things that they need to do. That's what should be happening. That's an insulin sensitive body. That's what happens in a body that does not have insulin resistance. But when our body has developed insulin resistance, our cells no longer pick up or respond to the insulin in our system. So we eat food and that food again gets broken down into its primary building blocks, either you know, monosaccharides, polysaccharides that get broken down into glucose if it's carbohydrate or amino acids from proteins getting taken up by the liver and then turned into glucose by the liver. Okay. That glucose is seen by the pancreas. Pancreas says, Hey, there's energy in the system. We better spit out some more insulin so that we can bring that energy inside the cells and the cells can use it as energy. But the cells have been exposed for so long to high concentrations of insulin that the cells are actually deaf to the message. They just don't pay attention to it. So this situation occurs when there are high concentrations of insulin over a prolonged period of time. It causes our cells to not respond, not open up, not bring the energy inside, not bring the glucose inside, not burn it off as cellular energy. Instead, the cells stay closed and that causes the glucose outside of the cell to climb quite high. And that's what we pick up on our finger stick machines as high glucose. And that's what we pick up on our laboratory machines in the clinical setting in the doctor's office as high glucose and diabetes. Now recognize in your body, when your cells are staying closed and they're not bringing the glucose in and the glucose on the outside of the cells being allowed to climb quite high, that re-stimulates the pancreas to make more insulin and spit out more insulin. And what that does is goes to our cells and it makes our cells even more insulin resistant, okay? So this insulin resistance is somewhat challenging for people, I think, to understand. The primary analogy I like to use is that of noise. If you've been at a rock concert and you have been up next to a speaker and it's been very loud. When you leave that concert, your ears are muffled. They are not able to pick up subtle noises. They are not able to pick up quiet noises. They aren't working correctly and it's because they've been overexposed to noise. The way that we fix that is you go home and you go to sleep and it's quiet and you wake up in the morning and your ears have healed up from that overexposure to noise. That's similar to what's going on with your cells. Your cells have been overexposed to insulin, and that means that they aren't responsive to the message insulin is trying to give to them. And of course, the way you heal that up is to stop exposing your cells to insulin. And that's what we're going to talk about with intermittent fasting today. So there's a lot of discussion about intermittent fasting. Um, I don't know that I feel like any one way is right or one way is wrong. I usually will encourage people to start where they have been comfortable eating. So if you typically start eating at 6.30 in the morning and you stop eating at 8.30 in the morning, 
or 8.30 in the evening, that's a 14-hour eating window. And if you try to cut that back to a three-hour eating window, going from, you know, 14 hours of eating every day to three hours of eating every day, you're not going to be very comfortable, and that's going to be very difficult to stick with it. Could you do it? Absolutely. Nobody's going to die from that. You're just not going to like it, and it makes it hard to stick to. I don't recommend doing that. So let's talk about why intermittent fasting works and then the recommendations that I make for folks to stick with the intermittent fasting and to create a fasting regimen that creates the health that they want in their body. So again, intermittent fasting is not eating for a certain period of time. That's all it is. People get excited about this. I jokingly call fasting the other F word. People think that I'm asking for them to starve. And of course, fasting is not starving any more than running for health is the same as running from somebody trying to kill you. Those are not the same experiences. Fasting is not eating food because it is healthy for your body, okay? Recognize for those of us with type 2 diabetes, we have eaten food and consumed food so much that it has actually turned into a poison for us. When we eat the food, we propagate the disease of type 2 diabetes. And I'm not saying that for all of it, and clearly nobody is dying from one Oreo cookie, right? Like it's not one single Oreo cookie that's going to put us over the edge and de into death. It's the accumulation of bad eating decisions and of food that is making our cellular function diseased. I mean, it's the food that is creating the disease. So recognize that everybody, many times I think in our society, we have this idea that we are entitled to food and not eating food is the equivalent of something diseased. It's a problem when we don't eat. And what I want to offer is that if you have type 2 diabetes, you have eaten to the point that you've gone to the other extreme where eating is now the problem. Fasting is the remedy for this. Fasting is giving your biology breaks from processing food. Processing food is what is causing the type 2 diabetes. And again, it's not the meal you're eating today that has caused the type 2 diabetes. And it's not skipping a meal today that is going to fix type 2 diabetes. But it is the accumulation of decades of eating in a certain way that has created this disease in your body. And to fix it means you need to give your body a break from it but recognize every time you eat something your body must process it and when your body processes it that is usually going to require insulin to do so when your cells are already overexposed to insulin to the point that they're resistant to the message any future and further exposure to insulin is going to worsen that disease state same as being at a rock concert up next to the speaker if you are up next to the speaker and then you add even more noise or you go into your car and your car alarm goes off and more noise, that increased noise, that extra noise is just worsening the malfunction of the hearing apparatus in your ear. So recognize every time you eat that your cells are getting re-exposed to insulin and it's going to persist your insulin resistant state. So that's why intermittent fasting is so powerful because you stop eating and that allows your cells to not be exposed to insulin, your ears not to be exposed to noise and gives them a time to heal. 
okay? So that's why intermittent fasting is so powerful. To reverse insulin resistance, you must decrease your cell's exposure to insulin. You must shorten the time that the cells are exposed to insulin and decrease the intensity of the exposure. That is the strategy. That is all of the strategies that I teach my clients are directed at these, are directed at fixing this insulin resistance, lowering the exposure to insulin and narrowing the time it's exposed and narrowing the time exposure to insulin. Intermittent fasting does this because you will go long periods of time without eating. When you don't eat, your pancreas doesn't put out insulin and your cells get a break from that insulin and start to heal up their insulin resistance. Now do recognize there are some caveats that go into this. When we are eating food, when we eat a meal, it takes eight to 12 hours for that meal to transit entirely through our gut. So what that means is if you eat a meal at noon, there is still some of it in your stomach at 4 p.m. And if it's still in your stomach at 4 p.m., that means you're still absorbing some of those nutrients, which could be driving up your blood sugar. That driving up of your blood sugar drives up your, pan or your insulin release from your pancreas, continuing persisting this insulin resistance. Even when the food has transited out of our stomach and into our small intestines, there is still some absorption. There's actually, it's primary place of absorption. And there is still some driving of this insulin release in response to that meal that we're absorbing. So recognize it's not just I ate at noon and then I get to start counting my fast. It's not that simple. So you have to give your body time to process that meal before you're actually giving your cells that break from the insulin exposure. The other part that I like to point out to folks is that if you eat something that drives a very high blood sugar, say an Oreo, say a roll, say a muffin, say wheat thins, a baked potato even, if you eat something that drives a high blood sugar, our pancreas responds to that high blood sugar with a high dose of insulin release. And that high insulin release then persists the insulin resistance that occurs in our cells, right? So if you're type 2 diabetic, you are insulin resistant in your cells. If you eat cake, your blood sugar goes high. And your pancreas sees this and it says, whew, we got to put out some insulin to fix this. We got to bring that energy inside these cells. And it spits out an equally high amount of insulin to treat that high blood sugar. Because your cells are insulin resistant, they do not hear the message, which means they don't open up and bring that glucose in. So your blood sugar remains high, but you are still pouring insulin on these already insulin re resistant cells. It's like you're adding noise in the rock concert to your ears that are already not functioning correctly. But in the case of your cells, your blood sugars stay high, which your pancreas continues to pick up and then continues to spit out more insulin because your blood sugars aren't coming down. So this gets you into a really um, self-propagating situation where we have these high blood sugars that we can't get down because our cells are insulin resistant, and then we keep adding insulin to it, creating more insulin resistance in the cells. 
Because remember, insulin resistance develops at high concentrations of insulin over a prolonged period of time. So when we have a high blood sugar and we're spitting out tons of insulin trying to get the cells to open up and bring that blood sugar down, that gives us that high concentration. And when we can't bring it down over a prolonged period of time because our cells are so resistant to the insulin, that gives us the time frame component that adds to the insulin resistance. So recognizing that this is why fasting is so powerful. This is why the strategy of cleaning up your diet is so powerful. The strategy of cleaning up your diet, check out the previous podcast that I've done on that, where I talk about how important it is to eat food that human beings are meant to eat. Not wheat thins, not cake, but we are meant to eat meats and veggies and foods that the earth makes for us, not these processed foods. When we eat these processed foods, we get a very intense glucose absorption, which drives a huge insulin surge. Okay, that insulin surge is that high concentration of insulin that we eat that gives our cells insulin resistance. And when we aren't utilizing intermittent fasting, we're exposing ourselves over a prolonged period of time to high levels of insulin. So that's why these two strategies together really are very effective. But lots of people create the results that they want just by doing intermittent fasting. Lots of people will do intermittent fasting and they'll eat what we call garbage during their eating frame, their eating window. I don't recommend that, but recognize that's how powerful intermittent fasting is. You can just do a really aggressive fast every day and still have a lot of leniency in the things that you eat. Some people can do that. Not everybody can do that, but some people can do that. Intermittent fasting, again, is where you have a window where you eat and a window where you don't eat. And the whole point of the window where you don't eat is because you want to allow your cells to not have to be exposed to insulin and processed food. It's very straightforward. How I recommend people do this, again, is if you're used to eating, having a 14-hour eating window, let's say, if you're used to starting at 6.30 in the morning and ending at 8.30 at night, if you narrow that to a two-hour eating window, you are not going to enjoy life. <laughs> what I always recommend is kind of start where you're at. And if you recognize, like, I'm really never hungry for breakfast, then don't eat breakfast. Maybe you move your lunch up from noon to, like, 10.30 or 11. Maybe that's where you start, and then you're done eating at 8.30 at night. You've already cut, like, five hours off of your eating window, if that's what you do. And then you just start squeezing in an hour or two every five to seven days until you get the results that you want. Some women do this with an eight-hour eating window. Some women do this with a two-hour eating window. You get to decide based on the results that you want. And I would offer that there's many different ways to do this. There's not one way that is going to create this result. There's many different ways, and that's what we do in the group. In my group, this is what I help women do. We collect data, we look at their blood sugars, we look at the data we're collecting, and then we make decisions based on that data. And we do it based on the science that we know, and then we try it out and see how it works for you. I always tell folks, I don't get to make up the rules. I just get to help you figure out what works for you. Whatever it is that works for you is what we're gonna do, but I don't get to make those rules up. And it always gets to be your decision about what you want to do. Some women work with me and they're like, I don't know that I want to eat in this way. Is there anything else? And then we utilize other tools. We bring other tools. 
or they just realize, okay, this is where I'm at and I'm okay with this for right now. And they may be okay with it forever. They get to make those decisions. I don't tell anybody they've got to come in and drop their A1C to a 4.5. I don't say that to anybody. I've never seen any anybody with an A1C of 4.5, but I don't ever dictate what their goal is. I just teach them the science behind their disease, the science behind the tools that I recommend, and then we collect the data to figure out how they can utilize those tools in the most effective ways to create the results that they want. So that's intermittent fasting. I hope this has been helpful. If you have any questions, reach out to me, Delane at DelaneMD.com. I'm happy to answer anything. If this is the work that you're needing help with, if you're ready to reverse your type 2 diabetes, send me an email, Delane at DelaneMD.com. We'll set up a consult. You'll see how my program will work for you. We'll get you started and we'll get you on your way to reversing your type 2 diabetes, coming off your meds and living naturally healthy. All right. I will be back next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Also leave me a review. If you want to resolve your diabetes naturally without any pills or injections, I can help you. Visit DelaneMD.com for more information. Click on the work with me tab, send me a message, and we can set up a mini coaching session. You guys have a great week. I'll talk to you soon.